Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Soundprints for the week of August 27, 2015. There's lots of news and information here on page one this week. Labor Day's coming up, and then there's Halloween and Thanksgiving. And we need to turn our thoughts to sleigh bells and Christmas cookies and begin collecting items that will go on the auction block on Sunday, December 6, between 7 and 11 p.m. Eastern Time. That's right, it's almost time for the fourth annual ACB Radio Holiday Auction. The Kentucky-based broadcast team is in place. Larry Turnbull is all set to come to Louisville to keep us on the air on ACB Radio. The studio is ready. And we already have about 15 of the 60 items we need for this evening of fun and fundraising to support ACB Radio. Individuals, affiliates, and businesses can donate items. Always popular in the auction are jewelry, decorative music boxes, CD collections, collectible dolls, gift cards, and of course those yummy holiday cookies and candy and other homemade treats. Some people are donating treats that are special to their home state or region of the country. Last year, we had Maker's Mark Bourbon Balls from Kentucky, Seize Candy from Washington State, Whoopie Pies from Pennsylvania, just to name a few. We need to know about donated items by October 1, and non-perishable items need to be in our Minneapolis office by November 1, so that we can make sure everything is included in our pre-auction photo gallery on the ACB website. For more information about donating items to the Holiday Auction, contact me, Carla Rushevel, at 502-897-1472 or by email at carla40206 at gmail.com or contact Brian Charlson at 617-926-9198 or brian.charlson, B-R-I-A-N dot C-H-A-R-L-S-O-N at carol, C-A-R-R-O-L-L dot O-R-G. We're pleased to announce that ACB has a new controller as of this week. JoLynn Bailey Page from Virginia joins ACB as a grant writer. She fills the gap that was left when Joe Steigerwall accepted a full-time position in Cleveland at the beginning of July. Welcome, JoLynn. Getting appointments made to statewide rehab councils in a timely manner by governors of states is a problem for many of us. The regular July meeting of the Office for the Blind Statewide Rehabilitation Council here in Kentucky was canceled because appointments were not made on time and thus a quorum could not be present. The appointments for new members to our SRC have now been announced 
and a meeting has been scheduled for September 24 at the Charles McDowell Center here in Louisville. We are pleased to report that KCB member Nancy Clayton, a vendor now working in Northern Kentucky, and Scott Heads, an active member of our Savvy chapter in Owensboro, are two of the new appointees representing business, labor, and industry. We remind you that all SRC meetings are open to the public, and we strongly encourage those interested in rehabilitation services to attend SRC meetings and be informed about what is going on in their rehab agency. In Kentucky, contact Jennifer Wright, staff liaison for the Office for the Blind SRC, at 502-564-4754 for more information. Sometimes emails on leadership and ACBL are just fun and can stimulate some interesting thoughts. The following information was originally posted by Christopher Bell and Jim Wyrick commented on it this morning, August 27. The August 20 Economist contained an article that described a project being attempted to harvest dog waste to produce biofuel. Economist reported that more than one-third of U.S. households have at least one dog, and the average dog excretes about 275 pounds of solid waste per year. The effort, calling itself Sparky Power, is in New York City parks. Similar programs have failed in other localities, apparently due to insufficient participation from dog owners who collect and turn in the waste. Jim Wyrick, on Leadership This Morning, observes, The average dog excretes about 275 pounds of waste per year? Hmm... What government study funded this and who actually drew the short straw to weigh the excretions? Beginning September 1, the Kentucky Council of the Blind will have a new email address. The email address has been kcb at igloo.com. Beginning September 1, the email address will be kcb at kentucky-acb.org or info at kentucky-acb.org Our chapters will also have new email addresses. For example, you can email the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind by sending your message to louisville at kentucky-acb.org to our savvy Owensboro chapter at owensboro at kentucky-acb.org to the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind at Northern Kentucky at kentucky-acb.org Eastern Kentucky Christian Council of the Blind at Eastern Kentucky at kentucky-acb.org Guide Dog Users of Kentucky at Guide Dogs at Kentucky-ACB.org Tri-State Library Users at Library Users at Kentucky-ACB.org and KCB Next Generation at Next Generation at Kentucky-ACB.org 
Thanks to Larry Turnbull for helping us set up all of these mailboxes. Another interesting article was posted by Kelly Gask this week was from news.yale.edu. It is entitled, A Shape-Shifting Navigation Device for Both the Sighted and Visually Impaired. And it reads as follows. Combine mechanical engineering, experimental theater, and an old dark church, and you're bound to get some interesting results. A new navigation device, for instance. That's what happened when Yale University engineer Adam Spires a postdoctoral associate in the robotics lab of associate professor Aaron Dollar, worked on a London-based interactive production of Flatlands. Based on Edwin A. Abbott's 1884 story of a two-dimensional world, the production took place in an old church in London. The sighted and visually impaired audience members were kept in complete darkness most of the time as they wandered through the space while a spoken narrative and sound effects told the story. Guiding them through the darkness were handheld shape-shifting cubes that Spires designed and created with 3D printing technology. The user's position in the environment determines the shape of the wireless device. The top half of the cube twists to direct users toward their next destination and extends forward to indicate the distance to reach it. Rather than look at the device, as with a smartphone, users know where to go by feeling the changing shapes. The simple idea is that when you've arrived at your target destination, it becomes a little cube again, said Spires, who specializes in the field of haptics, the sense of touch. Extant, the London-based production company that put on the production intended Flatland to be enjoyed equally by sighted and visually impaired people. The company itself has many visually impaired members, including its artistic director, Maria Oshodi. Spires has been working with Extant and Open University Professor Janet Vanderlinden since 2010. They first received funding from the U.S. government for a similar project that evolved into Flatland. Spires originally called the device the haptic sandwich, but he's now leaning toward Animotus, the name that it took on in the Flatland story. Spires said building the device took some trial and error because there was little precedent for it. Shape changing is pretty new in haptics, so not a lot of people have done it before, he said. Spires thinks that Animotus has potential to guide pedestrians and hikers while allowing them to fully appreciate their surroundings. Quote, I'd like to try this out for the outdoors. Hook it up to Google Maps and see what happens, he said. It's designed to communicate unobtrusively. Too many haptic-based devices rely on vibration, he said, which can get annoying. Devices with audio cues are even more distracting, especially for people with visual impairments. Quote, sound is pretty much how they appreciate the world, he said. And if you visit a city, you look around and you get an impression. 
That's what visually impaired people do also, but with audio. During the Flatland production, audience members wore large suits, which housed equipment to track their movements. Spires said he was surprised by how effectively and efficiently audience members traveled between the points on their routes, walking only 0.3 meters less per second than average. That implies that they were pretty confident as they were moving around, he said. They only slowed down a little bit, despite being guided through an unknown dark space by a wholly unfamiliar technology. Some unexpected results emerged during the production, including how users reacted to the device. For the final scene, audience members were guided to one spot where the devices were confiscated, followed by the sounds of the devices being destroyed. Some people found this very upsetting, Spire said. It's about 40 minutes that they were in there for the Animotus, so they got pretty emotionally attached to it. End of article. Win a holiday gift card from our family to yours. The ACB Families is an affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. ACB Families assists people who experience blindness or vision loss by providing peer support, information, education, and friendship. Our activities include informational meetings and conference calls on family-related topics ranging from financial planning to accessible gift ideas and holiday traditions and fun family-friendly activities at the American Council of the Blind Conference and Convention. ACB Families provides partial support for the Kids Explorers Club, which has fun, safe, and supervised activities for children attending the ACB Conference and Convention. ACB Families maintains a free email list where members and friends can discuss blindness issues of special concern to parents, children, and other family members. ACB Families is having a pre-holiday 2016 membership drive. If you become a member of ACB Families by October 31, 2015, you'll be entered into a drawing for two free holiday celebrations. The first prize is a $100 gift card, and second prize is a $50 gift card. Dues to ACB Families are just $8 a year. Send your 2016 dues right away to ACB Families, Adam Rushville, Treasurer, 148 Vernon Avenue, Louisville, Kentucky, 40206. What's so special about the Apple Watch? Why would I need a watch to do what my iPhone will do? Brian Charlson, Director of Technology at the Carroll Center in Boston, joins us on page 2 to demo the Apple Watch and discuss the pros and cons of this popular new device. Brian's feature is about 30 minutes long, so there are no other features this week. And on page 3 is the Sound Prince calendar. The Kentucky Council of the Blind and its chapters provide information, advocacy, activities, and telephone support for people who are blind or visually impaired. Join our email list, visit our website, and of course, listen to Soundprints each and every week. To learn more, call us at 502-895-4598, drop us an email at kcb at igloo.com, or visit our website at kentucky-acb.org. 
Find books and more in accessible media with APH's free of charge Louis database. HTTP colon slash slash L-O-U-I-S dot A-P-H dot org. Locate accessible educational materials from nearly 200 different agencies. APH products and textbooks can also be located using Louis. New extended searching now available with free Louis Plus. Visit soon. HTTP colon slash slash L-O-U-I-S dot A-P-H dot org. Page two. One of our features this week on Soundprints is the Apple Watch. And with me is Brian Charlson, who is the Director of Technology at the Carroll Center for the Blind in Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome, Brian. Hi there. Glad to be here this evening. This week, Brian, we want to talk about the Apple Watch and what it is, I guess, what its purpose is. Why? how it works and why someone would want or need an Apple Watch if they already have an iPhone. So I'll just let you begin and take us wherever you think we need to go since I do not have an Apple Watch and uh, uh, therefore I've, I don't think I'm very good at asking questions about it. Well, I'll do, I'll do my best. First off, uh, everybody needs to understand that the reason Brian Charlson has an Apple Watch is because people kept asking him, should I get an Apple Watch? What would it do for me? What won't it do for me? Those mm -hmm. kinds of things. So you and got one to find out. Yeah, I, got, I had to get one to find out. And since I was going to get one anyway, I wanted to make sure I got a really nice one. Now, I didn't get the $16,000 solid gold one, you understand. Oh, good. <laughs> but I did get the larger of the two. They come in either 38 or 42 millimeter size. Okay. So I think a man would tend to wear the, the 42 and a woman, the 38. Mm -hmm. It's shaped rectangular, meaning it's wider across your wrist than from hand to elbow. Okay. And it has all rounded edges on it. Take a cube or a, a block of wood and round off all corners so that they're fully what they call quarter round on all sides. Mm -hmm. Then take a band and attach it around it. I have what they call the Melanese band. It's a woven metal band, and the clasp of the band is actually a little magnet. So the band goes from one side of the watch across the underside of my wrist, loops through a loop on the far side of the watch, and then comes back toward the first side again, and at the end of that is this little magnet. So it tightens as comfortable as I've ever had a watch. I love the band of this watch. So I'm going to try hard to separate what the watch does versus what the watch band does. <laughs> okay. This is a little thicker than people are used to if they're wearing a standard tactile or braille watch um, because it is a computer that you're wearing on your wrist, albeit a computer with very specific functions that it accomplishes. I'm going to used a term to describe parts of it, and these are terms that I've learned in using the watch, but not terms that I was all that familiar with before I started wearing this watch. First off, it has two buttons, which typically you place on the hand side of your wrist. One's round and one's rectangular. The round one is called the digital crown, and the rectangular one is called the friend button. The watch itself is very much like an iPhone in that it's a touchscreen device, but it has one extra thing that 
iPhones don't currently have, though they're rumored to have it in the future. And that is, in addition to touching it, you can also press it at the right time. And it actually can follow pressure commands as opposed to touch commands. Mm. So that's what I'm going to start with. I'm going to simply put my finger on the center of it, give it a little press. 8.06 p.m. And it said the time. The two ways things get displayed on this watch are what they call the clock face or the standard screen. So when it first comes on, it's on clock face. And you can choose from a variety of clock faces, which really means where you want information to be displayed on the screen. Again, that little crickety noise you may have heard, was it going to sleep? Because you're always concerned about how long the battery is going to last. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I charge this every night and wear it all day. Sometimes I wear it two days on a single charge. Mm. The charging mechanism is rather different in an Apple kind of way, not an Apple iPhone but a Mac. It uses magnetism to hold the watch against the charger so there's no hole or thing you have to plug in. It just rests against the charger magnetically and charges in that fashion. Anyway, so I have the face on here right now. I'll bring it back to life. And I'm going to touch the upper left-hand corner of the screen. And it says unread notifications. So the first thing this watch can do is read me any notifications. So if I've installed software that tells me when there's going to be a possible rain, that kind of thing, there's one called Dark Sky, then the notification on here will automatically tell me when the weather's going to be bad in five minutes. I'm going to have to keep waking it up uh, as I talk right. because it keeps going to sleep. Right. Then it gives me the time along the top, tells me the temperature, gives me the date, and I've set alarms using this in the center. So those three of those are across the top, three across the bottom, and in the center I have... Modular. Oops, it went to try Double to set to Let's day. try again. 8.08 p.m. 8 p.m. It has conference my calendar. Conference call. So oh. I told that Double I was going to have calendar. this conference call interview this evening. Mm-hmm. And it alerted me to that when I was upstairs so that I could remember to race down here to the man cave for this interview. All of this is on <laughs> the watch face. Mm-hmm. In addition, if I press the digital crown one time, very much like the home button on an iPhone, I can then go through all of the programs that I have the watch version of. 63% battery power. 8.09 p.m. Okay, let's try this again. Home. Clock. So there's clock. World clock. World clock. Alarm. Alarm. Around me. Around me, which is GPS. At bat. At bat, my favorite uh, Major League (laughs) Baseball program. Mm -hmm. Camera. Camera. Music. Maps. Maps. GPS works on this. Fantastical. Fantastical, which is my calendaring program. Phone. Phone. Calendar. Calendar. Weather. Weather. Mail. Mail. So what can my iWatch do for me or my Apple Watch do for me? Many, many things. But most of what it can do requires that you connect it, that is wirelessly, to your iPhone because it's not really connecting to the Internet except by way of your iPhone. Now, Brian, the, the apps that are on there are 
often than the same apps that we have on our iPhones. So why do you, for example, need to run, oh, I don't know, you had some on there that were the same um, as, as the iPhone. Why would you run them through your Apple Watch as opposed to having them, if you've got to have an iPhone anyway, so you have the phone and now you have the watch. Isn't, yep. isn't that duplicating? It is. It is, but it's different in this respect. This evening when, oh, let's start with this morning. Okay. Last night before I went to bed, I held down the digital stem and I said, set alarm for 6 a.m. Okay. And I went to sleep. Mm -hmm. At 6 o'clock this morning, the Apple Watch on my wrist vibrated to wake me up. Okay. How would I do that with an iPhone? Well, it would be more like an alarm clock sitting over on the... An alarm clock, right? Yeah. So here, it vibrates on my wrist, and I didn't wake up Kim. I it see. It was a private clock to wake me up in the morning. Yes, okay. So I yep. get up in the morning, and um, I do exercise. I go to the gym uh, five days a week. Oh, and I can set this thing to monitor how much exercise I'm getting, mm -hmm. and also my heart rate, so that I can kind of compare... Oh whether or not I'm getting better in terms of cardiovascular kind of health or and not. And so you can, you can get that kind of monitoring on the iPhone, but it has to be in your pocket or attached to you some way, whereas with a watch, it's right on your wrist. Right on your wrist. And as a result, it's also significantly more accurate. Right, right. Uh, next, I use it. I was up in the kitchen cooking dinner just before I came down, and so I set an alarm with this to uh, deal with cooking. And I have to be honest with you, while I can use some cooking apps on my iPhone, I'm forever trying to remember where I sat it down while I'm cooking. <laughs> no, I have that problem too. <laughs> it's on my wrist, so it's yeah. always, always with me in doing those kinds of things. Do you have to have the phone with you for the watch to work, or do you just have to have it somewhere in reasonable proximity well it's it's kind of a cross between bluetooth connectivity mm -hmm. which is within 30 feet okay and wi-fi connectivity when both of them are in the same wi-fi area uh -huh. you get significantly farther away from your phone to do those kinds of things i see so one of the things i do for example is i'll plug my phone in its charger uh, on the table next to my chair in the living room and go to bed, and yet this thing will still react to notifications that require the Internet while I'm wearing it to bed. Mm -hmm. okay. I might add, it's, while they will not guarantee that it's waterproof, it's darn close to it. Mm -hmm. I know this has taken <laughs> much more water abuse than my iPhone ever has. You've you tested it, right? <laughs> You jump in the shower with your watch on. You do dishes with your watch on. Uh, yesterday, well, no, Sunday, I defrosted the freezer. Oh, dear. My watch on. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you get a little wet doing that. Yeah. And uh, it survived just fine, just yeah. fine. Yeah. So those are the kinds of reasons, I think. I do use it off and on throughout my day. Um, I put my phone on mute, but I let my watch ring, and it's a much more subtle ring than my phone is. Oh. You know, when your phone goes off, everybody starts tapping their pockets to see if it's their phone that did it. Yeah. 
That's not occurred with my Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. My Apple Watch, it has a distinct ring, and yes, I can choose what the ring would be, but it has a distinct ring, and it vibrates while it rings. Mm-hmm. On my wrist, not in my pocket, you know, if it's in your pocket and it's vibrating frequently, you don't know that it's vibrating. Yeah. This, and I if it's on the table, if your phone is on a table and it starts vibrating, oh my goodness, the the noise it makes. Mm. You know. Yes. That's right. Exactly. Yes. So, but if it's in your pocketbook or purse, whatever part of the country you come from, you're <laughs> not going to necessarily feel it vibrate if you have it on um, mute. If that's you will. correct. So yes, that's correct. Things. The other one that I found really interesting. I haven't used it enough yet to know that it would be a game changer for me. But I did use the GPS simply saying to the phone by way of the watch, because it's kind of like Dick Tracy. You talk to the watch because <laughs> it has a microphone in it and a speaker in it, yeah. and you give your Siri command to uh, give me directions to the nearest Safeway grocery. Okay. Uh-huh. And it tells you what the what that is, and you agree to it, and it displays you know, the turn-by-turn directions. But what's really cool about it is as I'm walking along with it, whenever I'm approaching a corner at which I must turn, it will vibrate in a buzz, 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 buzz. Oh, your watch does that. When I'm to turn right. Uh When I'm to turn left at the next intersection, it just does a constant Oh, wow. That's so, neat. Again, you know, one of the problems with GPS on iPhones is something's talking to you all the time, and that's a bit distracting. Yes. So in this regard... Also, you might not be able to hear it if, it, if yes. you have loud traffic. Exactly. So what I really want to know about that next intersection I come to is do I turn left or right? Yes. And if it doesn't do either as you come to the intersection, what do you do? Well, you, you go cross straight. straight ahead. Right. right. Correct. It really is nice in in that regard. So the downside, because the downside is as important as the upside of these things. That's right. I yet to purchase a piece of technology <laughs> that didn't have a downside to it. Yeah, right. <laughs> First off, everything I've tried to do on it has been fully accessible. Using mm-hmm. VoiceOver, it works really well. I have paired it with a Bluetooth earpiece, the uh, Plantronics Bluetooth earpiece. Okay. And you can pair two things to that earpiece so both my phone and my Apple Watch are paired to it. If I touch the phone to find out what time it is, it's not speaking it aloud, it's speaking it through my Bluetooth earpiece. Mm -hmm. So it becomes kind of a private talking watch in that regard. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to having an app on it that would allow me to get tactile indication Mm -hmm. um, through, through that whole haptic buzz business as a way to tell what time it is. The mm-hmm. app doesn't exist yet for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the downside is it's not inexpensive. You know, right. <laughs> the game starts at 350 to $450. Mm-hmm. And because mine's the bigger watch, it's the stainless steel, not the aluminum case. Mm-hmm. It's the fancier band that not only looks fancier, but is a, a much more form-fitting band. Mm-hmm. All of those drove the price up to... $740. Wow. So it's not cheap. Yeah. Um, the other negative to it, in my opinion, is this is version 1.0. Oh, 
Aha. Uh-huh. The first true, you know, there are things like Fitbits and Pebbles and, and other kind of wristband-worn things. But when it really comes to a full-featured smart watch, this is version 1.0. Uh-huh. I would not, generally speaking, buy the first of its kind. Right. Uh, I would wait till they figure out not only how to fix the bugs, mm-hmm. but what other kinds of things with literally millions of people using them, people are coming up with that they think they would like it to do, some of which are going to require a hardware change, not a software change. So I'm now locked in to this watch, mm-hmm. <laughs> as you would be for an iPhone uh, you know, data plan with your carrier. Uh, probably I can't justify buying it the new version 2.0 when it comes out. Mm-hmm. I'll have to wait till the 3.0 comes out Yeah. Uh, before I could justify setting this one aside or passing it along to somebody else. Mm-hmm. But there's, when it, it's, oh, so it's not tied to any, any cellular plan or anything like that. It's just a true freestanding kind of. It's freestanding, it's connected to your yeah. eye plan. Yeah, yeah. But it's not part, you know, you buy it and it doesn't extend the length of your plan or any of those things. Do you have to buy a data plan with it? No. Because it does everything through your phone for anything that's Internet. Oh, I see. Okay. So it's truly the price of the watch, um, and that's that. And that's that, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Does it work with, um, with iPhone 5s as well as 6s? Okay, so uh, so you can do a five. Again, the, what matters is the operating system that you're running under. Mm-hmm. So currently, the same operating system you use for fives and up. I see. Right? Okay. So it's right. the operating system. So probably seven, maybe seven up, exactly. seven Apple, iOS seven. Well, yeah, I think it was. When they released a watch, they released a new update of the iOS. And from that point, and that was downwardly compatible to fives because the fives had the appropriate um, oh. processing speed. Yeah. Fives had the, you know, you couldn't put that newest OS down on a four. Right. So in the same way, this would work in that way. Right, right. Well, it sounds fascinating. It really, it really does. Are there any? Tell us quickly about the friends button. What is that? Ah, so the friends button is how you turn it on and off, but also. 8:21 p.m. Glances. It gives me the ability to interact with the apps that are on the Friends. phone more readily. Six, six one seven. So, you know how on your contacts on your iPhone, Mm -hmm. you have people that you make friends? Yes. So that they're a higher priority than all your other contacts? Okay. The friends button gives me quick access to all of that friends information. So I can quickly bring up a list of people I want to call because there is no keyboard on an Apple Watch. Okay. can't type in things. Oh, all right. You with me? You can yes. select things. You can flick left, right. You can do a double finger, you know, a two finger double tap and a, a swipe up and down and those kinds of gestures. <laughs> all those like, kinds of things, but no typing. 
You're never going to fit a QWERTY keyboard on this. Okay. So the best way to do it is to go over and use your contacts on your iPhone and select individuals that you want to have quickest access to by making them a friend, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of those show up on your iWatch accessible through the Friends button. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So basically then the round button is, is sort of like... Um, the, the round button sort of takes you app to app, that kind of thing? Well, the round button is like a home button. Yes. Yeah. On an iPhone. Mm-hmm. It does many of those functions. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to uh, quickly turn off voiceover, you do a three, three taps uh-huh. of that digital. Right. Call it the digital uh-huh. crown. Yes. Turn on and off voiceover once you've had voiceover started. Mm-hmm. Um, you double tap it if you wanted to get in and truly close apps, things along those lines, like you would do with a home button mm-hmm. in general. The friends button is all about connecting you up to that list of people mm-hmm. that you might want to text mm-hmm. or call or email mm-hmm. by way of the watch rather than by way of the phone, utilizing Siri and dictation to avoid the use of a keyboard. Because you, you know, I bet that dictation, I'll bet that works better because on the iPhone, um, maybe it's, I just don't know how to use it very well. I, I know that. I don't know how to use it very well. But it seems to me that on the iPhone with dictation, it's always, the chatter is always getting in the way of what you want to do. You know, it's it's talking when you want to be talking. And that's another difference in the Apple Watch. While Siri will listen to you, Siri doesn't talk to you. Mm. It's voiceover that does the talking, not Siri. Okay. That slows down, you know, that eliminates some of the back and forth between the phone and the watch and the watch and the phone. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Time. So it, it really does. You know, at first, that sounds like a negative, but it quite honestly is a positive. Oh, I guess so, because they can I have great conversations. Normally, you hold down the home button till it makes the beepy noise, right? Yeah. Then you make your request of Siri, mm-hmm. and then it makes another beepy noise and clicks and hums and haws to itself, and then eventually Siri comes back with an answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, with this, when I, I hold down the digital crown, I'll get that little vibrate sensation, what they call a tap on the wrist. Mm-hmm. That's equivalent of the beeping. Okay. Then I release it. I say my command. I feel another tap on the wrist that indicates that it's done listening and it's now thinking about it. Mm-hmm. There is a little what they call latency. Mm-hmm. Because remember, everything I ask of the watch is being channeled through the phone and then out to the Internet and back to the phone and back to the watch. Wow. A little extra time between the request and the actual uh, compliance with things. Okay. But otherwise, all the Siri commands that you're used to are still working because they're working using your phone as a portal, or excuse me, your watch as a portal to your phone. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if someone calls you, do you answer it on your watch or on your phone? The answer is either one that you feel comfortable with at the moment. Whichever one you do a two-finger double tap to, Oh, so you can either one then. Correct. And in the same way, I guess, hanging it up. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. If one you time. had it to do over, would you buy the watch if, you know, just 
if you didn't need to have the watch to answer all of our questions, you were just going out to buy it, would you buy the watch? So my answer is, at the moment that I bought it, the answer would have been no. Now that I've used it, the answer is yes, but I'd probably buy the cheapest one I could buy, Mm -hmm. not the higher-end one. So you could upgrade it when you wanted to. Well, I could (laughs) abandon it, you know, when version 2.0 came out. If I only had $350 in the watch, as opposed to $750 in the watch, (laughs) I'm going to have to amortize that $750. Yes, I guess so. So, yes, uh, especially when it's in the watch band. Exactly. And understand, the band that it comes with, the, the less expensive, you've got a variety of colors you can choose. Mm-hmm. But really, it's more like one of those, what do they call those, um, they're not quite throwaway watches. Uh-huh. Uh, swatches, that's the word I'm looking for. Uh-huh. Swatch, yeah. where you go into, you know, uh, a Walmart or something, and you walk away with a watch yeah. for $20, $30. Yeah. Kind of thing. The yeah. band on the standard Apple Watch is of that nature. See, if I was going to buy a $350 watch... Um, if I decide I want one of those, I'm going to want a nicer band because, you know, that's one of the things with Braille watches. Uh, they came with those ugly-looking bands, you know. Um, I, I always like the, 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 um, the, you know, the stretch bands. And, you know, that was a steel-looking band, you know, if it had a silver look to it or whatever. But to get a real cheesy-looking band... With a watch that you're paying a lot of money for, somehow just doesn't quite get it with me. It's got to so look the part. If you were to buy the original, the least expensive Apple Watch, mm-hmm. the band that it comes with is it made out of a, what they'll tell you is a special polymer <laughs> that keeps it shine. Yeah, I bet. Very, very durable. Uh-huh. But you know what it feels like? Yeah. Slick plastic. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, so, plastic can do, be a special polymer, you know. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> exactly. So what I would do is I'd buy the band of my dreams mm-hmm. that's available at the time. Because one of the spectacular things about these watch bands is they are very easily changed. Uh-huh. So a, you get a new watch, and supposedly they won't change the size of it enough, so you have to buy a new band. I think that they would run into, shall we say, a significant amount of flack from their early adopters. You never know, Brian. If they were to do that. Now, <laughs> look how they changed the phones and their sizes and cases, you know? Yeah, exactly, but they didn't sell the cases. Oh, that's true. That's true. This one, they're the only ones who can make the watch because it's a patented um, connector. Oh. And they haven't allowed third-party manufacturing of them as of yet. And Apple doesn't typically do that kind of thing. They like to keep no, that in-house. Like you said, they did with things like uh, cases and, mm-hmm. and uh, boom box adapters and right. all those things. But they didn't with the device itself. Mm-hmm. And even when you go out and buy a third-party charger, yeah, boy, that operating system, the next update of the operating system will tell you, uh, we don't think you have a correct charger attached. It yeah. will still charge, Yeah. but it will tell you that it's, <laughs> it's not confident this is all going to work. That, that it knows that you are not using the right charger. Exactly. <laughs> not one they've officially sold to you. That's right. That's right. 
So those kind of things may play a part in this. I, I have to be honest with you and your listeners and say that I really doubted that I was ever going to be a person who was going to um, do a lot of wearable computing, mm-hmm. meaning not the phone in the pocket or the <laughs> iPad on the table or the computer laptop or whatever, mm-hmm. but literally ones I'd be strapping things to myself to do. <laughs> yes, yes. But people will tell you, I get up in the morning, before I leave the house, I got the Bluetooth earpiece in my ear. And now I wear it, and you know how you always say, check for your wallet, your watch, and your glasses? Yeah. Before leaving the house, I also check for my Apple Watch and my Bluetooth earpiece. (laughs) Yep. Not complete until I'm fully dressed. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is really... Neat. This, you know, I, you hear so much about the Apple Watch, and it's been such, now really, it's kind of confusing. Um, I've often I've said many times, I don't know why I would even want one. I mean, if it's not going to do anything more than my phone does, but um, you know, the, the all of those the points as to why a person would want a watch are, are all very true, and so I really appreciate you visiting with us and talking about the watch and answering questions and just telling us about your, your general day-to-day use of the watch and, and your opinions of it. It's been really, really helpful. Appreciate it very much. Thank you very much for inviting me. And I guess the final advice is wait for 2.0 if you haven't already bought. Mm-hmm. I think you'll see some things in 2.0 that are going to make the difference for a lot of doubters at this point. Find books and more in accessible media with APH's free-of-charge Louis database. HTTP colon slash slash louis.aph.org. Locate accessible educational materials from nearly 200 different agencies. APH products and textbooks can also be located using Louis. New extended searching now available with free Louis Plus. Visit soon. HTTP colon slash slash louis.aph.org. Many book materials help Braille users jot notes quickly. Pull APH's mini-book Braille binder out of your pocket and begin to write on the mini-book slate in just seconds. Materials are sold separately so that you can choose the combination that's right for you. Call the American Printing House for the Blind, toll-free, 800-223-1839, or visit www.aph.org. Page 3. The Sound Prince Calendar. Unless otherwise indicated, conference calls included in this calendar are held at the number 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Activities are held at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 South State Street in Louisville. Bluegrass Council of the Blind Activities are at their office at 1093 South Broadway, Suite 1230 in Lexington. The Bluegrass phone number is 859-259-1834. September 2. The KCBPR Membership Committee will meet on the conference line at 8 p.m. On September 3, the Kentucky School for the Blind Charitable Foundation will hold its golf scramble at Oxmoor Country Club in Louisville. 
contact Rick Ricks at 502-897-3990 for details. Also on September 3, the KCB Conference Planning Committee will meet at 7.30 p.m. on the conference line. And at 9 p.m., the ACB Lions will hold its monthly meeting on the conference line at 712-432-3900, code 796096. This is an opportunity to share ideas and ways to be involved in local Lions clubs. On September 4, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its Friday activities, education and technology from 3.30 to 6, dinner, $5 per person at 6.15, games and crafts from 7 to 10. At United Crescent Hill Ministries, call us at 502-895-4598 to sign up. On September 6, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Committees will meet as follows. Advocacy, 7 p.m., Education and Technology, 8 p.m., and Activities at 9 p.m. All will be held on the conference line. On September 8, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind Board will meet at the BCB office from 9 to 10.30 a.m. On September 8, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will hold its meeting in Owensboro, from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time. Learn about aging services from grad lead case manager Christy Clark. Make friends, share ideas and information at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. Contact Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 or Bill Roberts at 270-485-8170. On September 10, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will hold its conference meeting at 7 p.m. The call-in number is 605-475-4700 and the code is 155619. For more information about the Northern Kentucky Council, call Jerry Slusher at 859-781-7369. On September 11... Another GLCB Friday is planned at United Crescent Hill Ministries. Give us a call at 502-895-4598 for details. On September 12, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blinds Board will meet at 11 a.m. on the conference line. September 14, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have a community outing from 5 to 6.30 p.m. in Lexington. It will be at Salsarita's Fresh Cantina, 2380 Norman Lane in Lexington. BCB will receive 15% of the meal cost if mentioned between 5 and 9 p.m. Contact BCB for more details at 859-259-1834. On September 15, the Kentucky School for the Blind Parent Information Family Dinner Night will be held at KSB in the Scoggin Building. The address is 1867 Frankfurt Avenue. This will include dinner and a presentation by Mona Wilkerson about the Michelle P. Waver. 6 p.m. at KSB, call Mitch Domke at 502-897-1583, extension 7104, for more information. September 18, 
The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold its quarterly meeting. The bargain table will open at 4.30, dinner and program and meeting between 5.30 and 8 p.m. $5 per person at United Crescent Hill Ministries. Please call 502-895-4598 for reservations. On September 20, the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Board will meet at 8 p.m. on the conference line. And on September 21, the Kentucky Council of the Blind Board will meet at 8 p.m. also on the conference line. On September 23, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will hold its monthly VIP meeting from 12 to 2 p.m. It will include lunch and the speaker will be Marie Smart from the University of Kentucky Sanders Brown Center on Aging. At the Bluegrass Council office in Lexington, be sure to call ahead for reservations. On September 24, the Statewide Rehabilitation Council will hold its meeting from 9.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. at the Charles McDowell Center, 8412 Westport Road in Louisville. Contact Jennifer Wright at 502-564-4754 for information and to let her know that you will be attending. On September 25, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold its Friday events, and this particular event will include bingo from 7 to 9 p.m. Bingo is $2 per person. The other activities normally scheduled for Friday evening will also take place. For more information, call 895-4598. On September 27, the Guide Dog Users of Kentucky will sponsor a walk and lunch at Oxmoor between 2 and 4 p.m. at Oxmoor Mall in Louisville. Grab lunch at the California Pizza Company or Panera Bread and then walk off those calories around the mall. Contact Deb Lewis, GDUKY President, at 502-721-7129 for details. On September 27, ACB Families will hold its meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern, and the call-in number is 605-475-6333. The code is 1711553. On September 28, Guide Dog Users of Kentucky will hold its membership meeting at 7 p.m. on the KCB conference line. And, of course, we remind you that the Kentucky Council of the Blind Convention is coming up November 13 and 14. Be sure and save the dates. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at com. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.